I just want to fuck you. Like mm-hmm. I, I want to ravage you. Like you are mine. Like that energy dominant, dominating energy yeah. is a huge edge for them. Yeah. And so I think a lot of them lean way away from it. So like, yeah, you can't to even try to be good stuff. and kind yeah. and make they up for guys who are assholes. And yeah, totally. Yeah. They don't want to say the word fuck. So they say be intimate or make love and there's nothing wrong with those terms, but there's a quality sometimes that their partners are craving from them. Mm-hmm. Want mm-hmm. to desiring that. And again, this is the same as what we said before, their partner might not be able to articulate that. She might not be able to say, I'm craving this kind of energy from you. What she's feeling is just, I'm just not that turned on. To another episode. I am thrilled to have my good friend Shana back with us. Shana James is an author and relationship expert, and her book comes out this week called Honest Sex. So we thought we would do an episode on honest sex. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, because yeah, the truth is, I think it's actually really hard to be honest about sex, and we all kind of know that, but don't always have a plan for how to how to be more honest with our partners and how to actually ask for what we want or find out what they want. And, you know, we'll delve into all of the reasons why, but the goal of course is to be more honest and be more comfortable being honest. And the closeness that that can bring is pretty extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Why don't you start by just sharing a little bit about your motivation for writing this book? Why did you write it? What, what was your yeah. What was your motivation? Yeah. Well, my motivation was, you know, having spent the last 20 or so years teaching authentic communication and practicing spirituality and um, dabbling in the world of Tantra and kink. And, you know, I was like, wow, this would be a really fascinating memoir <laughs> to combine, you know, sex and spirit and, um, soul and play and pleasure. And, and the more I got into it, the more I, I, it became a book that was more about, okay, so more than my own stories, I started weaving in client stories about, you know, how do we relate to sex? Because what I see as a relationship coach, or, you know, whether you're single or in relationship is that sex is a very concrete way to see to see the habits and patterns that we play out that create unsatisfying dynamics. Uh, you know, it's a great way to have pleasure too, but it it just it reveals so much. And so I started thinking like, okay, well, yeah, so many people I've dated or so many people I've coached don't really talk about sex. And I think there's like a hope and pray method. <laughs> like we hope that our sex life will get better over time, or we just imagine uh, that it would. And I, I don't think that's a reality. So I think a lot of people end up feeling unsatisfied and distant. And 
kind of grasping at straws for those in long-term relationships to try to make the passion come back and thinking, oh, let's have a date night or let's have, you know, let's buy some lingerie. And the foundation that I started seeing was, was actually honesty. Yeah, I can, I'm, I'm nodding along for all of this because I, I think you're really right about the hope and pray method. And (laughs) obviously that doesn't work, but I think one of the hardest parts in terms of talking about sex is, you know, so I've done sex research, meaning asked thousands of people about these kinds of dynamics and something that comes up again and again is I don't want to hurt my partner's feelings. feelings. I don't want to hurt their feelings. And so if I say, for example, I've asked many, many women who have sex with men about their desires and, you know, have a whole streaming course about that, please her in bed. And one of the things that women keep saying is, I really want more foreplay. I want Mm -hmm. more kind of quality attention. And I feel sort of either embarrassed asking for that, or I don't want to hurt his feelings or, um, or I have asked and I didn't, and it didn't happen. Yeah. It didn't happen. It didn't work. It didn't, it didn't go the way I wanted to, or he got really offended. Right. There were also Uh women who were like, yeah, I was shamed for, for asking for what I wanted. And so there's a tenderness and a vulnerability around asking for what we want, even if we want seems quote unquote simple. Like I really want you to like just spend more time kissing me and spend more time, you know, with nipple play and, you know, doing other things before penetration. Yeah. The way that even just the way that I phrase that, I think most women are really scared to say that to their partners. And I think in my experience talking with a lot of men, <laughs> one, something that I think a lot of the men I've worked with, and I'd be curious to hear from you, are desiring is, I want you to be more into it. <laughs> like mm, I, yes, feel, yes. I want you to be more enthusiastic. I want more of a sense of uh, us being together in this. It feels yep. like you're just going along to do your wifely duty, but you're not actually invested in this experience or even mm-hmm. really here with me. Yep. And I think there's, I think I'm really glad we're having this conversation because it, I think a lot of times neither partner is actually being honest, like you said, deeply honest about what yeah. they want and need. And then to your point about patterns being established, these patterns get established in long-term relationship mm-hmm. where you're not talking about it. You're just kind of doing it. And let's say she's wanting more presence. She wants his deep presence. She wants to feel him with her and she doesn't mm-hmm. really, but she doesn't yeah really want to say this isn't satisfying for me because it feels a little bit like you're in a porn video and I'm not really being seen. I feel a little bit like I'm just being used. Yeah. Um, or maybe she says something like that, but it's not very, it's not delivered with her heart or whatever it is. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. really understand. He doesn't really hear. And and then they keep doing that dance for 10 years. Right. right. I know it lasts for a long time. Yeah. She's wondering why he's, he's wondering why she's not enthusiastic. And she's kind of like, I sort of kind of tried in the past. It's really scary for me to talk about this. I'd rather just yes. get it over with. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Can you, can you say a little bit about, you know, your experience of, because you're also, you've coached couples and men. And do you feel like that's a common pattern that I just laid out and how do you kind of address that? 
Yeah. I mean, I do feel like it's a common pattern and I also have experienced men having a hard time asking for what they want too. So it seems, you know, like it's not just a gender or, you know, that it, that it's a, it can be a universal experience of how do I first even know what I want and allow myself to know what I want, right? How do I get honest with myself? And then how do I get honest with a partner? And I just want to state how innately vulnerable it feels for most of us. And, you know, I'm dating again and have had a couple of dates and even to say what I wanted or needed or a moment where I was like, oh, I just kind of lost myself. Like I, in the the debrief, which I always highly recommend, you know, I could come back to those things and be like, oh, in that moment, I wanted something and I didn't say so. And then I just got a little bit confused or fuzzy. And then I wasn't totally there but in the moment, I think it's, it's really hard to say so. And then, like you said, you know, if it goes on for a, even a year, 10 years, it feels even more awkward to bring up the conversations. So, you know, to like, I think we have to even back up and have couples make a kind of commitment or agreement of, okay, I want to be honest and vulnerable about this. I want to know you. I want you to know me this is probably going to feel scary and intense. And some part of me is going to want to run for the hills. And what if we were to, you know, what if we were to to stay compassionate and loving and do our best with this conversation? And if we need help, you know, we go to someone else to get help or have a third person in the room. But yeah, there's like, without that sense of, hey, we're going to be on the same team here and we're going to, um, stay loving and connected as much as we can, as much as we're capable of in this conversation. You know, I think couples give themselves a lot of leeway to just, um, yeah, to be immature, which is, you know, another part of what my book is about is like, what is honesty actually? Because you can be honest from a pretty immature place and you're like, I just don't like that. And that doesn't work for me. And you're not, you know, you're not whatever. Like I say that I call it the say it like it is honesty, And that doesn't tend to create more connection, right? So that the deeper honesty is coming from that place of vulnerability. And, you know, it doesn't always mean that it's going to go well, because a lot of us don't have experience with vulnerability or receiving vulnerability. So I think this is why we're getting into this, you know, the complications of this. That's a really good point about honest, like immature honesty versus mature honesty, because I think that's you know, even the way that you just stated, I think is something. So I work with couples as well as men, you know, primarily cishet men. And one thing I've noticed is that, yeah, couples have very few skills. Many couples are coming into the relationship with very few skills Mm -hmm. on how to actually have mature, honest, emotional dialogue. Right. And And so the, you know, the basics of, I want to feel close to you. Yeah. That's why I'm bringing this up. Yeah. Even just that is, is sort of like you're leading and either yes. person can bring up a conversation about your sex life. This doesn't need to be one sex or the other, but I would say that when I work with men, one thing I kind of point out is when a man leads a conversation, whether it's about sex or something else and says like, 
I'm nervous to bring this up and it's Mm -hmm. important to me that we're on the same page or I'm nervous to bring this up. And it's important to me that, you know, what's going on Uh that creates a certain polarity. It creates a certain sense of safety for the other person because it feels, it feels held right. Versus what I hear a lot is, you know, couples where the man will say, yeah, we're just roommates at this point. We're just roommates. We're just roommates. That's a refrain that I hear frequently. And and the communication is, God, why don't we, like, we never have sex anymore? Yeah. Like that's not, that's not the same, you know, that might be that person's emotional experience. Yeah. And so there's a level of, there's a level of honesty to it, but I like what you said about mature honesty versus honesty is I'd like to talk to you about something that's important to me. And I'm yes. a little nervous about it. Can we talk on Saturday? I know that, you know, the kids will be out for the, this many hours. Yes. And, you know, I was just thinking what you said before. Yeah. Like what you said before about, okay, so, it, you know, hearing from women that they aren't feeling that kind of presence or attunement or, you know, touch that they want. And then men feeling like, why isn't she that into it? And it's like whatever gender, either one of those things are happening, there's an overlap, right? So if you don't really exquisitely know how your partner likes to be touched or, you know, connected with, which I'm not saying is a one and done, like, you know, it once, and then you should just know it forever. It's like, if you're not consistently discovering that together, then it's not going to feel that great. And, but we have to be honest with ourselves to even know what feels good and then to be able to say it too. Right. And, and I think that there, there's a, there's a complication to the conversation because, you know, in my research, what came, one of the big themes that came out was just technique. Meaning I think a Uh lot, a lot of male bodied people don't really know how to have sex with female bodied people Mm -hmm. because porn is misleading. And so just a lot of women were like, it's way too hard, way too fast, right? Way too hard with your fingers, too hard, uh-huh, even too uh-huh. much pressure with your tongue, just like slow down and back off, like just way yeah. less pressure, way less quickly. Yeah. And I've had sex with men that I think I would consider pretty skilled in bed. Yeah. They still fall into that pattern. So I think that there's a certain level of just basic technique that, that can help a lot. And, but then beyond that, there's what we're talking about with respect to deep presence, right? She wants to feel him with her deeply with her paying attention to her body, just deep presence. And that's not something that's not technique. That's no, no. And, but it informs technique, right? Because it's like, okay, so if, if we're actually present with each other, we can start to feel each other's sensations in our own bodies. Yes, You know, like I've been with men who they know I'm you know, on the cusp or headed toward orgasm or but like they can feel that in their own bodies. And so then there's like this dance where they play with that, you know, and that is to me, that's just like the ultimate in feeling cared for and feeling loved and feeling connected and feeling right. It's soulful and spiritual and pleasurable all at the same time. So yeah, I think, yeah, that deep presence feels important. And that's part of what is challenging. And what I'm pointing to in terms of the complication or the complexity of the conversation is Uh it's easy to say, I want you to use way less pressure with your hands or your tongue. Just like it's hard to say, and it's hard to say, like, I want you to be more present because it's right. It's not as concrete. 
Exactly. So there's a layer to the, and I know from my sex research that that is a deep craving on the part of women is I deeply crave his, his depth and his presence. And that, that honestly is part has partly to do with his nervous system. So how much is he actually able to be in his body? How much Mm -hmm. is he actually able to relax into his body and be physically and emotionally present? That's not a quick fix. That's not something that's, that's what I mean is, so there's like two layers, there's technique and then there's presence. And sometimes it's, it's a little bit like similar on the, on the men's side as well. Something that I hear from men is essentially they're saying something similar, which is, I want her to be here with me. I want her to, Mm -hmm. I want to feel I want her to be present with me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like she's checked out or I feel like she's not really into it or she's just waiting for it to be done like that kind of yeah. thing. And so it's, it's hard, to, it's, it's hard for him to articulate. Sometimes I'm craving your presence. I'm craving your yeah. deep presence here with me yeah. because it's not a technique thing. It's not like yeah, I would no. more low jobs. Like it's right. Which is also hard to say. I'm not saying it's right. not, no, it's, it's hard to say that too. Also but... It is, but there's this other layer. And so <clears throat> I'm wondering, you know, in terms of practicality here, you know, how does one partner or the other bring it up? You mentioned that station, which I think is really brave and mature of um, like, I want us to have a better sex life. Like already, I think some people would be like, oh God, I could never say that. That feels really triggering. Like I would assume this is part of what your book is about, but what is your recommendation? Do you think it matters which partner brings it up? You know, how, how do you sort of recommend that someone goes about that? Yeah. I I just want to go back to the nervous system for one moment before we go there, which is, you know, I think that's why I imagine you do this too, but I feel like a lot of the coaching I do with men is kind of human practice. It's like, oh, we get to be here together and I get to, um, I get to be with your nervous system and you get to learn about your own nervous system. And I get to open my heart. This is all, you know, zoom or over usually virtually. So it's not like nothing physical is happening between us, but we get to, you get to, they get to kind of experience, Oh, this is what it's like for my nervous system to settle. Or this is what it's like for my nervous system to attune to another person. So there's that, you know, it, it doesn't always work when you have two people who aren't trained or don't know how to do it to come together and, you know, make magic. But the other part of it is if these two people have a lot of love and compassion and they're not blaming, shaming, attacking, you know, running, then so much beauty can happen between two people but I think there has to be a commitment to that first, right? So then if you're going to bring up the conversation of, um, you know, I do have a, a, like a, what do you call it? A template, you know, in my book for bringing up a conversation. And you spoke to one of the pieces, which is context, a script. <laughs> yes, there's a word for that. Um, context of, hey, I want to have this conversation because I would feel, I want to feel more close to you when we bring a context instead of allowing people to just make up their own. Cause we, we all make up our own. If somebody doesn't put one into the space, right. Usually when someone says, I want to have better sex or more pleasure with you, the first reaction will be like, oh, okay, I must be doing something wrong. There's something bad. You know, you don't like our sex and then can go to even, you don't love me. 
And so that's why, you know, it is amazing to start having these conversations in the beginning when you're dating, but I still am an advocate for no matter how long you've been together to come back together and say, right. Whoever, I think anybody can initiate, Hey, this is what I want. And sometimes it can be helpful to not go to that larger view of, Oh, I want a better sex life, but to break it down into more specifics, like, Hey, I would love to feel more connected or I'd love to see what happens if we slow down our sex, you know, one time, like, could we experiment? Could we try it? Right. It's like, could we try this thing? I think goes a lot better than could we change the whole layout of our sex life? You know what I mean? Yeah. I like that as a frame. Can we try this thing that feels you know, more welcoming. And, you know, I really appreciate that you have scripts in the book and that you have, you know, templates, because I I do think that for a lot of people, they want to be closer to their partner and they want Uh to feel intimacy. They don't know how to do it and they don't have a map. And so they're floundering around a little bit. And, and when they do bring something up, it doesn't go well. And if that happens a few times, it's very disincentivizing, right? You're like, well, I don't want to blow up our relationship. I don't want to. So I'm not going to say it again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get the silent treatment for two days again. Right. Like I I already. And I think, yeah, I was just going to say, I think that like, if that happens, then what needs to happen is the conversation about the blow up or about how are we treating each other? How are we talking to each other? How are we communicating with each other? So not to make anyone wrong, but it's like, all right. If every time we venture into these vulnerable conversations, one of us blows up or one of us hightails it out of the room, or one of us gives the other the silent treatment. That's again, that's why it's like, it's honest sex as opposed to just great sex, because, you know, you, you can't actually have great sex without that kind of honesty. Yes. And I think that's a, that's a pretty good plug for, if you're having trouble doing it yourselves, it is appropriate to get someone else involved. And it doesn't yeah. mean you're failing as a couple. I think that's something that no. we shift as a culture is yeah. I don't, I, I feel like in other places in our lives, we just don't have as much shame or we don't feel like we need to have it all together. For mm-hmm. example, if your child is not doing well in a subject, you hire a tutor right. and you don't feel a ton of shame about that. Like, all right, well, you know, she's not really thriving in English and we want her to. And so we're going to hire this tutor. But when it comes to our relating, we feel like shit, if we hire a couples coach or a couples therapist or a couples counselor, it means somehow we're failing as a couple, or it means we're right. at this point. And I think that's really, un, um, I think that's a disservice to the relationship. I actually think that yeah. it's better to hire a couples coach or counselor or whoever earlier, sooner, Sooner. better to hire them sooner than later. Don't wait until it's a crisis point, you know, get someone else to help. And I think that that's something again, that can be like, I want us to have a thriving relationship. That's the context for this. I want us to have a thriving relationship and it feels like our communication skills could be better than they are now. Right. I want you to feel more pleasure and I want to feel more pleasure and I want to feel happier and I want you to feel happier. And can we come from a place of you know, even uh, like in a friendship, we want the best for the other. So yes. I've been finding, oh, it's really powerful to have that frame of friendship as opposed to, okay, now we're on a different team. And if I get something, then you don't, or if you get something, I don't, you know, then yeah. it's kind of a tit for tat, or if you get something I lose. 
Yeah. So um, I also want to just touch on, because I have clients in, in this position as well, where let's say there's a couple and they are kind of on the same page about like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, we do want to kind of explore more in our sex life. We don't know exactly what that's going to mean. But for example, I have clients who are kind of interested in BDSM stuff. So, and what I mean by that is not necessarily whips and chains, but just more Mm -hmm. like Dom, you know, Dom language, like take off your clothes or like, you know, commands or just, you know, that kind of realm of let's say he's going to be playing that role and she's going to be playing more of the sub sub role, but they Mm -hmm. really don't know where to start. And it can feel kind of overwhelming. What do you kind of recommend in, in terms of that, you know, scenario, where do they go? What What do they do? Yeah. Well, I will say from personal experience, I highly, highly, highly recommend short experiments and time bound experiments. And because, you know, I'll say years ago, I had a desire to be dominated. And my husband at the time and I were like, let's do this. Let's create an experiment for a week. And within after a day or so, we were like, I mean, it just blew us both out. And we, you know, both needed to do some coaching therapy, whatever, because the dynamics that came up were so intense. And I was talking to a colleague at that point. And she was like, why didn't you just start with like a five minute thing where he would tie your hands together and then you would uh, see how it felt, you know, to be held in that way where you couldn't move or, you, you know, you were being dominated. And I was like, oh my God, I never would have thought to just take these little baby steps. Um, and even yeah. the baby step before doing anything is to really start to explore. And I think- in the BDSM kink world, there there are a lot of protocols for this where it's beautiful because it's like, what are you actually, what are you wanting from this? Why, why would you do this? Right. What are you wanting to feel? What are you wanting to experience? Okay. What am I wanting to feel? What am I wanting to experience? Are these a match or where, where is there a match, right? Like where does it line up that we could create something where we both could explore having these experiences we desire. So small steps. And again, the communication based in that kind of honesty where I have to, I have to know myself and what I want and I have to be willing to speak it. Now that doesn't mean we can't support each other. So, you know, Hey, if you ask me a question, I could get to know my inner world better and, Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Um, But there is, I, I would say like these baby steps of let's explore and then let's try something really small and let's have, let's, let's get a win under our belt instead of trying with something really big with the scarcity mindset that, you know, it may never happen again. And again, I think that comes back to, oh, if couples aren't communicating in these healthy ways, then there is going to be more scarcity and there is going to be more fear and there is going to be more, you know, shutting down and all of that. So can you, yeah. Can you walk us through a little bit of, did you, you know, did you two end up finding a a meeting point? I mean, what happened? Because I think that's such a good example of what I think couples might be afraid of, which is like, we're going to try this thing and then somehow it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to blow us up. Gonna blow so us up. Maybe we should just stay safe and not try anything instead yeah. of, and I think especially, I think I just, a dynamic I want to bring into this conversation is, Many of the men that I work with, many of the men 
like male clients that I have are scared to lean into their beast, right? Mm -hmm. Their beast, their wild man, whatever archetype you want to call it. But like, I just want to fuck you. Like Mm -hmm. I I want to ravage you. Like you are mine. Like that energy dominating energy is a huge edge for them. And so a lot of them lean way away from it. So like, yeah, you can't to even try to be good stuff. and kind yeah. and make they up for guys who are assholes. And yeah, yeah. totally. They don't I, I, the, yeah. Yeah. They don't want to say the word fuck. So they say be intimate or make love. And there's nothing wrong with those terms, but there's a quality sometimes that their partners are craving from them. Mm-hmm. Want mm-hmm. to desiring that. And again, this is the same as what we said before, their partner might not be able to articulate that. She might not be able to say, I'm craving this kind of energy from you. What she's feeling is just, I'm just not that turned on, Uh right? Whatever Uh is happening after, like, because that energy is not present, there's a quality of like, I'm just not, I'm just, I'm not that into it. Right. So she can Mm -hmm. identify that part, but she can identify what would help. And sometimes it's this quality of just like, I just want to fuck you. And many men are terrified of that part of themselves because like you said, they don't want to be the bad guy. They don't want to be the rapist. They don't want to, they don't want to hurt their partner. Don't want to harm their partner. Lean really far away from that. So I guess like my question is, you know, how does a man in, in a, like a, let's say a BDSM context or whatever, how does, what is an experiment that a couple could Mm -hmm. do that feels practical and accessible that you would recommend? And do you talk about book around something like this? Like you, you know, you mentioned having so many images flash through my mind of like (laughs) where to go with this, but you know, I was just thinking one of the things I, I love, um, is for these kind of creating these experiments. And so I could see a man saying, Hey, I noticed that, you know, there's, there's kind of a lower energy in our sex life. And I'm wondering if you might want, right? Like, I don't know what's true. Let's get curious together, but it seems like there might be a desire on your side for more of this primal energy. And like, what if we, you know, one night just tried a series of five minutes. So again, we have to go back to like, he has to be able to access this if he can access this. And and oftentimes what I hear from men is I don't feel safe with her because, you know, she's going to make me wrong or blame me or shame me. So again, it goes back to, okay, how do we set up this deeper context? So we're both going to explore an experiment with love and compassion, but like, okay, what if we set up an experiment where, you know, for five minutes, I would tell you what to do. Or I would, you know, and it doesn't even have to go all the way to sex. It doesn't have to go to nakedness. It could just be like, I want you to sit on that couch and look at me adoringly, or I want, you know, take off your shoes or whatever it may be, right? Again, starting small, there is a kind of leadership, like you're saying. And I think my favorite way I'll say is when that kind of primal energy gets paired with the heart energy, like... I love you and I'm going to take you or I love you and take off your clothes or, and it doesn't actually even have to be spoken. I love you, but, but there's a feeling, I think when men allow themselves to feel their love and their hearts and their care, and also bring in that you're talking about like the beast and the primal energy. Um, it's so powerful. So yeah. And we could go into more and more specifics if you want to. I think that's helpful. I, I think, <clears throat> 
you know, part of the reason that this conversation is complex is because couples are complex. Couples uh-huh, are exactly. complex. They each have their own whole world going on. And then they have <clears throat> the dynamics in the world that they have already set up with this other person. So yeah. for example, I hear from men sometimes that they're able to be more honest or more, um, uh, I want to say the word masculine, but it's not exactly what I mean, but more directive or more powerful in contexts other than with their woman. Yes. So sometimes this person, you know, because of attachment stuff, this person is triggering things that you haven't really dealt with yet. And yep. so there's, there's a way that you're blocked in some of the things that we're talking about with this yep. particular person. So yes. it is complex. Like there is, is no very way complex. around the fact that it is complex and, <clears throat> you know, the domination stuff, I think that the commands, right. Like take off your shirt, you know, do go and lean up, go, like face the wall, things like mm-hmm. that, like directive, you know, commands are really, um, simple, yeah. but very effective and, very effective. and, and, and then getting to debrief. Right. So it's like, Oh, we're going to do this for a couple minutes and then, okay, let's, you know, break roll and just see like, how was that for you? Did it turn you on? Did you feel scared? Did you feel, which often actually comes together, right? It's not like turn on is comfortable. So there can be discomfort or fear and turn on at the same time, but okay, let's debrief this and check it out. You know, how was it for you? How was it for you? That's a great point because where I was going with that was, I think there's part of the reason the whole conversation is complex is that you can say something like, take off your top, go and face the wall. Like if you're not owning. Right, there's no energy in it the way you're saying it. It's like, oh, go do that. Exactly. If the energy isn't isn't there and you're not embodying something, it's not going to feel the same. And so there sometimes are things that need to be worked out before you can embody some of Of these reality. And and that's just part of the equation. But that is a great point about trying some of these, right? Because if you do have a couple, like I'm thinking of one of my clients and I think he's in a a pretty open-hearted marriage, meaning they both Mm -hmm. care about each other. You know, what you're talking about with love and compassion, like they have that going on and they are interested in these kinds of dynamics. And I think for them, a five minute, five minute experiment like this would actually be really great because like, okay, we're doing the command thing. And he is leaning into like, what does he actually want her to do? And then he's giving her commands and she's following them and they do it for five minutes. And then they're like, how was that? I think that that couple has enough ecology under their belt to support that. And if you don't, if you don't, that's what gets revealed is, oh my gosh, we need more of a foundation. Yeah, exactly. We need, we need some help. We need some help. I I would just support everyone in getting the help, get the help. (laughs) Yeah. And the other thing is like, you know, yeah, it's worth it. It is worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. And what happened in my marriage years ago is I think we both panicked. Like it's, I'm in such a different place now than I was, you know, 15 years ago where I can panic internally and I have enough witness consciousness that I can be like, wow, some part of me wants to run. Some part of me wants to blow shit up. Like some part of me wants to do all these things. And instead I'm going to take a walk or I'm going to sit on my meditation cushion because I feel terrified. I'm, I'm going to be with myself. Right. And then 
once I have a little more space or clarity, then I'm going to bring this to my partner who ideally they can be with themselves. And then together we can be with each other, but right. It, none of us learn this. And so yeah. we're, we're all kind of starting from this place of, of deficit. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, and I think I, I really want to go back to something you said about fear and turn on being close mm-hmm. together, which mm-hmm. physiologically is true in the brain. Yeah. The amygdala is one of the places that sexual desire and turn on lives. And the amygdala is also where fear lives, fear and terror. Yeah. So they're very close in the brain. And, yeah. you know, your, your point about, you know, you, you two both got blown out. I think that's such a great example of if, if I'm a man and one of my deepest fears is that I will harm my partner yeah. and then try an experiment where I give her commands and she freaks out, feels harmed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. feels harmed. That is my worst fear come to life. Right. So he's triggered, she's triggered, you know, but to your point, it doesn't necessarily mean that something was wrong. No, get triggered and we can, and it doesn't mean that something was wrong or that somebody did something wrong. It's like, Oh, this is what's so like, Mm -hmm. this is what is up. And I think that, you know, as a woman, I can attest to the fact that like, I think being dominated as a turn on, I've never been with a partner where we've really explored that, but I've definitely had thoughts of like, what does that mean about me? Does that, am I still a feminist? Right. If I want someone to say, I'm going to fuck you, like, you know, like obviously yes, but there are so many judgments that we have inside about like about ourselves and am I disgusting? Like is, you know, what are other people going to think now that you have to tell them, right. If he says safe space with your partner, then no one else needs to know what happens in your bedroom. But that fear is natural anyway, no matter, you know, no matter if no one else is going to hear it. So that's why I think it's so brilliant to do the debrief because when we can be honest and say, I felt really turned on and I also felt really scared. Like, what if we do this? And then you think that like, you can tell me what to do in real life. Yeah. Whatever. Like it doesn't need to be logical. It can just be whatever's actually honestly true. Have that be witnessed by your partner is sacred and leads to closeness or can. Right. And to hold it as sacred and to hold this container where whatever arises Oh, this is actually something for us each to, you know, to work with and go deeper in ourselves. And sometimes it does take, like you're saying, I've worked with men who have more of that nice guy syndrome or nice guy, you know, mentality, and they can't unlock that part that would be more dominant or would be more, um, you know, dictate how things would go. And so then again, it's like, oh, I like to think of the human practice that I do in coaching sessions as, okay, the stakes are lower here. So we can play with this and work with this and help you find access to different parts of yourself where you're not having to feel like, oh shit, if I mess this up, it could cause, you know, major harm in our relationship. So yeah, I think I don't both can be true. Partner. I don't yeah. want to lose my partner. And so I'm not as willing to take risks. And I think that's yes. a really good point about, yeah. If you're, if you're not able to access and it's the, the same goes for either sex, you know, I've worked with men where their partner has sexual trauma and it's like, mm-hmm. there's, a block, there's a stopping point in their relationship and she needs to address that, you know, she, that needs to be addressed on her side. And, and that might be true for a man. It might be like, I'm not able to access this, you know, raw animalistic side of me 
with my woman, I need to go somewhere else like to coaching or a men's retreat or somewhere to help me get in touch with that, like really get in touch with it in my body. Yeah. That might be something that needs to happen because it's not all it's not all always going to be able to happen between the two of you. And I think that's the, you know, it's a little bit, not exactly the same at work, but sometimes there are sort of like two colleagues who are like, we've tried and we can't figure this out. Like we need, we need help now. Like, you know, there are organizations where they're like, they hire consultants, they hire people come in and help them figure out what is our mission. We've yes. experienced mission drift. Like, what are we doing? Where right. are we going? And they choose to bring someone else in because yeah. they can't do it. They, they can't, can't do it on their own. Too much inside it. So yeah, I, I just want to say a word too. Also that like submission, while it seems like submission might be easier because you're like surrendering or letting go, that's also a really hard thing oftentimes for people to access because it takes a lot of trust and it takes a lot of, you know, self-love and right. Some of those stories can come up. Am I weak? Am I, am I wrong? Is there something bad? You know, I should be whatever I should be. And so the other thing that can be really helpful is for partners to experience both sides of a dynamic so that they can experience the vulnerability on both sides, right? It's it's vulnerable to tell someone what to do and it's vulnerable to be told what to do. And if you don't really have that experience in your bones, then it's harder to create a, like a harmonious or really healthy or exciting experience. I really like that. I really, really like that because I think that the switching of roles actually generates a lot of compassion for, like you said, for both sides. And I also mm. think that it breaks out a little bit, breaks us out of the, the gender roles that we've all grown up with or like, I'm a man, therefore I'm supposed to do this. And I'm a woman, right. therefore I'm supposed to do this. And if you're in a heterodynamic, I think any dynamic that you're in really, because there often are sort of grooves that we get to in partnership, whatever kind of body we're in. And so switching it, even just like you said, just for five minutes, it's like, whoa, actually doing that in my body, telling you what to do felt really edgy. Like yeah. I was afraid that you were going to get mad at me. I was that afraid was, you were going to get mad at me. I was just thinking like one of my first experiences with the Authentic Man program before we even had a course was we had, we pretended as women to be men. And so we did the approach, right? Like I'm going to walk up to a woman on the team. Half of us became men and half of us became women. And and I mean, I think I started crying. Like it was so challenging and <laughs> so scary to do. Oh. So it gave me so much compassion for what people who are, you know, it could be a man, but again, it could be any gender for people who are more initiators. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. God, that's such a good point. So um, we're going to start to wrap here. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you can let us know a little bit about where people can find the book and I'm, I'm guessing it's for, for everyone, but would you say anything about sort of like your target audience or who you think should be reading this? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, it is for people of all genders. I, when I wrote it, I, I had the sense that anybody, you know, kind of thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, like midlife people in midlife who've realized like, wow, relationships are a lot harder than I imagined they would be. Um, so you might be single and starting over and having a sense of like, I don't want to create those same 
unsatisfying dynamics, you know, again, you might be in a relationship and feeling like the passion has faded or you want something more extraordinary and, you know, amazing in your sex life. Um, so, you know, I think ultimately anyone who's dating or in relationship would get something out of it and who wants to have a really connected, intimate, you know, relationship and passionate sex life. But really when I was writing it, it was with that sense of, all right, you know, being in midlife, I feel like I've kind of had my ass kicked in relationships for, for a long time now. And some of them I've had beautiful experiences and deep. And I think in some ways more intimate experiences than a lot of people ever get to experience. And I've also been really, really humbled by relationships and what happens. So right. For anyone who really wants to learn how to keep passion alive and how to have it even get better and better over time. Um, then this book is for you. And yeah, you can find it on Amazon, I think is one of the easiest places to find it. If you look for Honest Sex and my name, Shana James, um, there are, uh, you know, paperback ebook. I'm going to record an audio book soon. That's not out yet. And you can also go to my website, which is shanajamescoaching.com and Shana is S-H-A-N-A and you'll find access to it there. Um, and you can also on my website, get a free gift that, I don't know, do you know the 36 questions to fall in love that was yes. in the New York Times article? Yes. So I wrote a, a follow-up to that, which was 36 questions to create deeper intimacy and better sex. Um, Cause I loved it, but I also felt not totally satisfied in certain ways. I wanted it to be more personal and more, more intimate in a way. So I created a follow-up cool. to that that you can also get. That is great. That is really great. I might check that out too. <laughs> yes, I'll send it to you. Awesome. Hey everyone. This is just a note to say that we touched on some pretty deep topics in this episode and I'm always here if things come up for you or there are things that you questions or comments that you have, you can always get me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. And I know that when it comes to sex and sexuality, sometimes we have a lot to sort through. So I just wanted to normalize that and say that, you know, sometimes these conversations with partners can bring up a lot for us. And whether or not you're in partnership, if you have stuff that you know that you want slash need to work through around sex, intimacy, relationships, dating, marriage, whatever it is that we, meaning Jason and I, are here. And if you are interested in potentially working with us and getting coaching, you can take our free training at evolutionary.men slash training which will take you a little bit deeper than the podcast and give you a little bit more of a sense of what it is to work with us. So if you've been thinking about that, I encourage you to take that training and learn a little bit more because, you know, we've worked with a lot of men who've transformed their sex and relationship lives, whether they're married or just single. And I, I, I guess I just wanted to reiterate that sometimes we just need a little support in this area. Sometimes we just need some help and it works. It works. We get help and we get different results. And even if you've been in a rut or you've been in the same relationship pattern for a long time, it doesn't have to stay that way. You can transform.